You're listening to the Inside Study Abroad podcast, episode number nine. Welcome to the Inside Study Abroad podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Roberts. In this show, we explore the world of international education and meaningful travel with some fascinating guests, a little friendly debate, and a whole lot of practical advice. Let's get going. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm really excited to be back here after a little hiatus to bring you today's episode with Brett Newman of Study Abroad Apartments. But first, before we get into that, I want to share some things happening in the Inside Study Abroad world. The first thing I want to talk about is iTunes reviews. Now, I received an awesome review from someone recently that I want to share with you guys. So let me read it real quick for you. The headline is Beyond Encouraging. As a young professional looking to get an international ed, this podcast is the best. Between getting to listen to great interviews with people in the field to encouraging but honest thoughts on what it's like to work and study abroad, Brooke really nails what I need to hear. Love it. And that's from K Stan. So thank you so much for leaving that awesome review. I'm so happy you're getting something out of the show. It's definitely been a labor of love for me, for sure. And I want to take this opportunity to call on anyone else to also leave a review. Um, Here's the deal. I need these reviews. Um, It's the best way for uh, the word to get out about the podcast and for more people to learn about it. The more reviews I receive, the more that the iTunes sort of wizards on the back end with all the great algorithms uh, can figure out that, wow, people are listening and they're actually liking it. And so if you would be so kind to head on over uh, to iTunes, either on your phone or your tablet and, or on online and leave a review, that would be so amazing. I'll leave links to how to do that and things like that in the show notes below. But if you could leave a review, that would be amazing. And maybe I will read yours on the next episode. So that would be awesome. Thank you guys so much. The next thing I want to chat about, which is something that's really exciting, is the first edition of the Study Abroad Journal is now available on Amazon and actually worldwide, which is so amazing. Um, As you guys know, if you recall from episode five of the podcast, I had my co-founder of the journal, Natalie Garrett, on, and we talked about how we came up with the idea and, you know, what it is and why we think it's important and, and, and needed in the international education space right now. And it's honestly, it's been this amazing dream, something we've been thinking about for several years. I mean, we were talking about this the other day about sitting in a coffee shop in Colorado, halfway between Boulder and Fort Collins, back when Natalie was even still working at Global Links, when Global Links was still around, and and sitting in a coffee shop and dreaming up this idea. And, um, and it wasn't until the last, uh, around February, where we sort of came up this real idea of the physical journal that students can use while they study abroad. And you guys, the past several months have been all about the hustle and creating content, uh, you know, designing the journal, getting it actually physically created. And then of course the distribution and it's finally, finally here. (laughs) We have all of our pre-orders sent out, and so we're excited to get some feedback from all of them about how they're liking the journal, what they think of it, both students and professionals, and uh, this is just the beginning. We have so many other versions in store, 
And the hardback edition is actually going to be available in the next few weeks as well. It's just just crazy. Um, if you want to learn more about the journal or even get a copy of your own, I have links uh, to everything down below in the show notes or just click it if you're listening on iTunes. Um, you should be able to see all the active links there. And for those of you who are just like, you know, out on a walk right now and you want to go check it out at the studyabroadjournal.com slash Amazon. It'll take you to our Amazon listing and you can learn all about it and maybe even order a copy. We had a comment on in- Instagram the other day with somebody who said they ordered it there and they qualified for Amazon Prime, which they were so excited about. So awesome. If you are already abroad right now, if you happen to be a student listening in or you have students who are abroad right now, obviously for fall semester and you want them to get their hands on this, now it is available internationally so if you just go to the studyabroadjournal.com slash paperback you will be able to um order a copy and it um, will get to you you'll pay sort of local shipping costs you don't have to pay those international fees uh so and the the link to go check it out is the studyabroadjournal.com slash amazon and again all those links will be in the show notes thank you so much for all of you out there who have been so supportive it's been um especially my gpi members and alumni who have sort of gone on this journey with me through the summer cohort uh Thank you so much for your support. We can't wait to get this in the hands of hundreds, thousands, millions of students over the course of the next several years. So thank you so much for your support. And the third and final thing I wanted to chat about is tomorrow, the fall 2016 cohort of the Global Pro Institute opens for enrollment to members of my VIP list. I'll open up on Monday to sort of the quote general public or sort of the broader internet um, inside study abroad community. But if you want to get early access and get a discount that I always offer my VIPs, go to insidestudyabroad.com slash GPIVIP and get on the list and you'll be first to know when we open for enrollment starting tomorrow morning for the fall cohort. If you have no idea what the Global Pro Institute is, I'll quickly fill you in. GPI is a six-week online professional development program for aspiring international educators. So if you're trying to get a job and break into the field or find your way um, and you know sort of level up in your career, this is the program for you. During the six weeks, you'll dive into online video trainings on everything from international education 101 and understanding the, the professional landscape to developing a professional brand, how to network without feeling weird or sleazy, gaining real world practical experience, landing the job, and so much more. There are master classes with thought leaders in the field on different areas of the work that we do. I have weekly coaching calls with everyone in the cohort to answer your specific questions and work through the content. And, you know, it's just a really great way for you to start building even your own community within this space. And so, so many things, awesome things to say about it. I'll be sharing more about it in the next uh, week for sure if you're on the Inside Study Abroad list. But if you want to make sure that you are a VIP, head on over to InsideStudyAbroad.com slash GPIVIP. We've had over 100 people go through the program so far, and our alumni are doing some amazing things as the next generation of IE pros, and I hope you will be one of us, one of them. So head on over, uh, sign up, and I'll be sharing more about it tomorrow via email. Okay. 
on to the show, the main event. This week, I'm excited to share an interview with Brett Newman, co-founder and COO of Study Abroad Apartments. I am a big fan of Brett's and his co-founder, Ryan. After getting to know them over the past year and learning more about their company, their vision, and just getting to talk all things study abroad and entrepreneurship with them, I just knew you know, right away they had to be on the show. They're doing some cool stuff, and the field needs to know what they're up to and why their work is important. Brett and Ryan are revolutionizing how students find housing while abroad, and they are creating transparency in an area of the abroad experience that has traditionally been shrouded in mystery, in my opinion. I'm really excited to share their story on the podcast, so let's go to the show. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Brett. I want to start with having you tell everyone how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Um, so first of all, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm glad we were able to, to really do this. Um, so to tell you a little bit about me and my project, Study Abroad Apartments. Um, so the story goes, um, I studied abroad in Barcelona, Spain, um, back in 2013. Um, when I went abroad back then, I wanted to live with some new people, but I kind of wanted to meet them and know who they were beforehand. Um, I ended up meeting a couple of guys in a Facebook group. Um, in that group, we then decided, okay, great, let's go and try and find an apartment where we can all live together. Group of six guys, um, kind of had similar backgrounds, a couple of mutual friends, seemed like a great idea. Um, the hard part was going out and trying to find an apartment in Barcelona, Spain, that would be suitable for a group of six guys. Um, we actually had a recommendation from a couple of people the year before us who had studied abroad in Barcelona and recommended a Spanish realtor to us. Um, it was at that point that we all decided, okay, let's go with it. We saw a couple of pictures online. Um, we were a little bit uneasy about having to wire so much money overseas, especially to someone we really had never met, never knew, um, and found ourselves in a situation when we arrived in Barcelona that the apartment was nothing that we thought it was. The photos were completely different. Um, the apartment was nowhere near suitable for a group of six guys, and the location really wasn't all that safe. Um, we had ourselves a little bit of a problem there, um, and our parents, of course, as you can imagine, were pretty upset by it. We had to change apartments. We ended up losing a whole bunch of money. We were pretty much completely scammed. Um, it was at that point that uh, my roommates and I took a step back um, and we started talking to more students in our program, um, students who were studying abroad throughout Barcelona um, and throughout other cities in Europe and, and kind of asking them about their housing, if they were satisfied. And, you know, we, we kind of started to realize that housing is a really, really big part of the study abroad experience. Um, it can really make or break you. Um, so after a good amount of, of research, um, my roommate and I ended up starting to write out a plan to see how we could start helping students with locating apartments. And, and we kept banging our heads against the wall, kind of like, gosh, how is there no you know, real American company that's helping students who want to be independent and want to find their own place? Um, so next thing you know, we, uh, we ended up finishing our semester we were continuing with the idea, and, and throughout our stay in Barcelona, we started meeting with landlords um, in Spain, setting up meetings with people who we found to be very reliable, 
um, had great accommodations, had experience working with students, and just had an overall really sound reputation. Um, we took our idea and uh, transferred it over into an actual business. Um, we then, the next semester, started to assist students um, with putting them in different apartments just in Barcelona, Spain, really to try this thing out, um, see if we can just help students who were similar to the situation that we were in. Um, we ended up doing extremely well. We were really happy with it. Um, the students were really happy. We got some really good reviews. Um, and that's sort of how we, uh, we came to be. Cool. So what year was this? This was in the spring of 2013. Wow. Okay. So three years ago, a little yep. over, just over three years ago. And it sounds like you were kind of just doing this under the surface. Like, like, did you know that there was this whole kind of professional world of study abroad and international education? We really didn't. <laughs> it, it didn't really. It didn't really come to mind to us. Um, you know, my my now business partner and roommate at the time were both sort of natural entrepreneurs. Um, actually, when I was studying abroad in Barcelona, I was there on an internship, um, and I was sent to Barcelona to start an event called Abroad Fest. And the idea uh. was. Yeah, and the idea there was to bring students who were studying from all over Europe to one place, um, sort of as like a, an event. And um, so I was I was fortunate enough to have a, an opportunity to start a broadfest, um, and from there, you know, I kind of used that as a platform to um, get access to more students. But to answer your question, really, we didn't even we didn't even think about this as like a you know the educational side of things. We really, you know, our objective was, hey, let's help students who are in a very similar position to us. Right. Um, and, and, and we really, we weren't making any money. It was just kind of like a, hey, let's refer you to the right people um, and make sure that you guys are getting a safe, reliable place. Yeah. So going back to your personal experience as a student, did it, where, like, where was your either study abroad office or program provider, if you went through a provider, where where were they, they in the mix of this? I mean, did you opt out of the housing that was provided or was it something where they just didn't provide housing? Like, what was going on there? Because I feel like a lot of administrators are going to listen to the story going, where, who, who, were, <laughs> who was administering your study abroad program that where this housing situation got so kind of out of hand? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, um, when, when I was deciding to go abroad, um, I, act, I really wanted to use the program that my older sister went on. Um, and the program gave you the option to get your own housing. Gotcha. Um, and so that was where I said, okay, great. I kind of want to do something that's independent. I really want to have an experience of my own. Um, I had also heard that, you know, some of the accommodations um, that were provided by the program, you know, you were sort of placed with people you didn't know it was random roommate placement sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you could fill out a request, but you know, they couldn't necessarily guarantee exactly who you're going to live with. Um, and then also I had someone who I, you know, was presumably trying to live with who wasn't in my program. Um, and I knew I wanted to live with them. And, um, you know, the only way to do that was to opt out of my housing and go the independent route. Yeah. Interesting. That's cool. I mean, and it's cool to hear you talk about it as I want to do something independent, because I think a lot of times, um, you know, for lack of a better phrase, your generation is sort of uh, tagged with this, 
either stereotype or persona of sort of needing their handheld through every single little moment and, <laughs> and experience of their study abroad program. And so it was re- it's really interesting to see that, one, you were one of these students who said, actually, no, I'd like to do this on my own. And two, that there's a this whole other segment of the student population that wants to do it. I think that's really interesting because um, I think I wonder how many students had this experience that you know, like you, where they are going off and getting their own housing and, and, and running into these similar problems, thinking they want this independent experience, but not really knowing how to navigate the local culture or scene or just understand how to to um, filter out sort of the scammy type of experiences. So it's right. really interesting to, to hear you say that. Um, let's back up a little bit because I want to hear more about you as a student and sort of your motivations for study abroad. So obviously, you know, you decided you were going to study abroad. Was it because your sister had done it and you thought, oh, I could do that? Or when, at what point in your, you know, educational path did you go, oh, I'm absolutely studying abroad? So, yeah, I mean, um, my older sister studied abroad in Barcelona probably seven years before I did. Um, I always tend to follow in her footsteps and, nice. you know, I, I knew that she had an unbelievable experience. She did something very different. Her and I are very similar. Um, she did something different. She went completely, um, by herself to Barcelona and didn't know a soul. Um, and you know, that sort of fit me of like, Hey, I want to go do something by myself and meet all new people and expand my horizon. So it was something that I think going into college, I always knew that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and it definitely fits my persona. Um, and actually what's interesting about it is, um, I was supposed to be in a specific major back at my university. Um, I ended up switching my major and if I hadn't switched my major the semester before, Um, there's no way that I would have been able to study abroad. So this whole situation kind of came about, um, you know, because I was able to switch my major sort of last second. Um, I wanted to do communications instead of finance. Ah, Um, interesting. Interesting. Exactly. So finance at your university was something where it was so prescribed that they didn't sort of work in a a semester abroad where you guys could do coursework elsewhere. Uh, I think we were able to do, we, you're able to do a, a summer abroad for sure. Gotcha. I, they do a great program in Australia, um, but you're pretty limited to where you can go and gotcha. what you can do. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, how do you feel like, well, actually, we'll ask that question at the end. Um, so now that you, so, you know, you launched this company, you're starting to serve students, it's growing. And I know that you, you and your business partner, Ryan, you guys reached out to me. I want to say we're looking at like just about a year now. It was last summer. You guys had just <laughs> gone to your first NAFSA, I think went in Boston mm-hmm. and, uh, and you reached out to me. And of course, you know, me being me, I just like, like told you everything <laughs> I think yeah. like, uncan- like, um, uh, unfiltered, very candid. Uh, it was just, and I was really excited to hear what you guys are doing. Cause I, I always love innovators. I love people who are trying to do some cool things in the study abroad space. Um, now that, you know, once you guys sort of decided, Oh, there's this whole industry or field area <laughs> of professionals and companies and, and administrators, you know, um, facilitating these experiences, maybe we need to sort of branch out that direction. What, what have been some of the big, learning moments or things you've learned, you know, as you sort of said, okay, let's, let's, um, you went direct to students. Now let's work with administrators and providers and things like that. What have been some of the things you've learned in that process? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, going directly to students is, is a great route to, you know, first of all, help them. Um, you know, it, as it turns out, there are a tremendous amount of students who want to, to have the same type of experience. They want to go and find their own place. And, and going back to what you said about, you know, me being a millennial, um, in a sense, you know, everything for my generation is online. Um, and, and we're a very comfortable generation with going and buying and booking things online. So um, I sort of relate what I'm doing sometimes back to the airline industry where um, I, you know, and what I've learned through this, you know, this educational world um, is that, you know, 15 years ago, um, your, your study abroad provider program or university would book your flight for you and it was kind of all included. And then all of a sudden something like Cheapo Air came out or Expedia or, um, you know, some sort of booking platform for you to buy your own flights and it was much cheaper. Um, and so then all of a sudden people started booking their own flights and now flights became kind of independent of, you know, the actual whole study abroad experience. So, you know, my generation really is, and especially with the, you know, the rise of Airbnb, um, people are starting to feel more comfortable with, with booking apartments online and being able to, to get in touch with someone and, and feel really comfortable, you know, making that purchase ahead of time. Um, and, and so for us, in terms of getting into the, the educational space, talking more with programs and universities and administrators, um, you know, it's something that we're working on right now. It's something that, you know, I would love to be able to continue talking with more programs and universities to, to tell them about our project. Um, but, but really getting our foot in the door there um, has been an interesting process only yeah. because I say that only because. Um, you know, my generation, even, you know, six or seven years younger than, um, someone who's, you know, not really there in terms of Airbnb and all these new platforms and apps that are coming out. Um, you know, it's tough for them to sometimes understand innovation and why students would want to go and do something like this. Mm -hmm. Um, but for us, you know, we feel that as generations grow, um, as, as more technology starts to advance, that a lot of um, programs that are innovating, that are doing, um, are understanding this, are going to see that, hey, students want to do this. Mm -hmm. um, and so for us, you know, we have been fortunate enough to start working with some of those really innovative program providers um, who are interested in, you know, what we can offer, how we can help them and help their students. Yeah. Um, so, so we did start just helping um, independent individual students. Um, and now we are starting to work with some really cool um, programs and providers that are popping up. So mm -hmm. um, one thing for us are interns, students who are going and interning abroad. There's a lot of internship programs that have trouble with housing. Um, you know, they're not necessarily the biggest providers out there. Um, and so finding the right accommodations is just a headache for them. It's a real pain. So, um, you know, we're happy to go in there and help. And so what we're offering for programs um, and providers is sort of that custom package of, you know, what are you looking for? Where do you want to go? Um, and then we'll help you facilitate the right places that are safe, reliable, and with the best landlords who, who have experience working with students, because that's really one of the most important things. Yeah. You said something earlier um, in your story about how you guys launched it is that you discovered, you know, personally, but also talking to um, your, your peers of how important um, the 
a student's housing is on their overall experience in mm-hmm. their program. And I feel like a lot of uh, study abroad um, administrators and providers, they're probably looking, I, I totally hear you about that flight thing. That was a really, really great analogy. Uh, but I also can see how a lot of administrators just think, we're, we're not there yet, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, detaching the students' housing quality and what goes on there with the overarching program experience. Because while a flight, you know, they might have flight problems, right? Is delayed, canceled, all you know, craziness, baggage is lost. Um, but at the at the end of the day, it's typically maybe the first few days where that's impacting their experience. Whereas housing could go on eight weeks three months, a whole year, et cetera. A lot of times I think at universities um, especially, but providers in particular too, you know, liability is that sort of third rail <laughs> of international yeah. programs. You know, this idea yep. of in loco parentis being in place of the parent and really trying to figure out how to navigate giving students that independence of, you know, and freedom of choice and, you know, that comfort level of booking and but detaching that from, well, this overarching experience on the ground from the academic experience, excursions and all those things. You know, what What do you say, how do you guys go about addressing, you know, that particular issue? And how, how do we know that you guys know what, quote, good housing is? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, so what's funny about talking with students and parents and, and working with students from so many different programs and backgrounds is that, what, we, what I often find is that I end up talking to parents and giving them information about their program, giving them information about what to do, where to go, the next steps of the process, how to study abroad. And, and so what we have become, in a sense, is sort of like an extension of the programs themselves, mm-hmm. where we're giving so much personal attention to these students and helping them step by step along the way that you know they're able to come to us with questions that go way beyond just housing. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of our value also lies with, especially with parents that they're able to get on the phone with us and talk to us. And, you know, we're, we're willing to answer a lot of questions and comments and concerns that they may have. Um, but then, you know, as far, as far as the liability goes, um, you know, the way that we go about choosing who we work with, um, is a pretty diligent process. So, so actually we go and visit our accommodations. Um, we make sure they're up to par. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, we believe that students who are traveling abroad should have certain things um, when it comes to their housing. So one thing in particular is that our accommodation providers have 24-hour emergency support phone numbers. Um, That's something that we feel is really important. Um, And and the way our platform works is a little bit different than sort of, you know, an Airbnb or what's called a shared economy model. Um, and, and so the way we work is that we don't allow just any Joe Schmo to go up there and say, Hey, I've got an open bedroom in this apartment. Um, you know, come rent it from me. Um, because with that, there really, there isn't really enough, um, background to, to try and allow an international student to come in there. Um, so, so our entire business revolves around working with professional management companies and professional landlords. Um, so we make sure that all of our landlords have maintenance service where you can get a maintenance request, any sort of issues, 24 hour support and services. Um, God forbid there is any emergency. There is that 24 hour line. They can always call study abroad apartments. Um, and for us, we also verify all of the photos. So like I said, we go to our accommodations 
We make sure that the photos are accurate. We make sure we meet with the landlord. We verify identities. But even more so than that is that there needs to be some form of management, professional management behind just an everyday landlord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not really that shared economy style. It's more of a, hey, these are only professional landlords and these are professional landlords who are willing and want to work with students. I, I love that. And I love that you reiterate that it's not like Airbnb many times only because I, <laughs> as you recall, I was running around NAFSA introducing you guys to everyone and saying there's study abroad apartments. It's like Airbnb for study abroad. And you guys are like, no, stop saying that. It's not the same. <laughs> but I, I love I know, but I, I, I really appreciate you clarifying that because while I, you know, as an outsider, you know, I'm not in your company. I just see it's like, oh, it's so cool because it kind of levels the playing field. A student can sort of decide how much they want to spend, you know, how important is like central location versus more of an economical version that might be a little further out. Like all these variables that they could sort of decide for themselves, um, which which is a lot like that sort of the Airbnb style. But I totally agree with you and sort of understand and support you guys understanding how you know, critical it is to vet these these types of accommodations because of that liability issue. And I think right. that that is really important. Um, and I think, you know, I think, you know, your niching down into this specific area is going to help you guys sort of become like the housing gurus <laughs> <laughs> in, in international ed. And I think a lot more people will start coming to you saying, hey, we don't, we don't have time for this. Can you be our partner and, and help us vet all of these providers because we're busy getting, you know, great professors to teach our programs and partnerships with universities and finding really cool cultural excursions and engagements for our students and, and, and internship placements and all these things that, you know, housing would be one of the things I think be a cool uh, partnership opportunity or outsourcing, if you will. So I think that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I, go ahead. Yeah, no, and for us, one thing, just going back to that whole Airbnb thing, um, you know, for us, it's like we probably get at least two to three calls a month from students or parents who say, hey, um, I'm leaving or my son or daughter is leaving to go abroad in two weeks. Um, We booked an apartment on Airbnb and the host just canceled. What do we do? Wow. <laughs> uh, and that's happened in Rome. That's happened in Florence. That's happened in Barcelona. That's happened in Prague. Um, and so we're kind of like, all right, don't panic. We've got you covered. We're here. Um, but it's it's a very interesting thing that students are going out to Airbnb and, and trying to get something. But there's just there's that risk of, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, what if your what if your host cancels and you're stuck two weeks before? And it, it happens all the time. And we get those phone calls. So mm-hmm. um, and just, to, you know, just to go back to what you were saying as well is, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for us to be able to work with these programs and um, and help them take this, you know, this housing challenge away and, and let them focus on what they do best. Um, you know, I had an absolutely amazing experience studying in Barcelona. I got to explore. I got to do some really great things. I took some intercultural communications classes that, you know, really shaped me as a person and, and as um, a businessman. And, and those are the things that um, I think programs do a great job of. Um, but I also hear a lot of, you know, horror stories with housing where students are like, oh man, you know, I had to live with these random roommates, a boyfriend and a girlfriend, and I was third wheel for an entire semester. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. you, you hear those sorts of things. So, 
um, you know, that's that's sort of where I stand with that. Yeah. And I think it's it's so interesting to hear about this concept of sort of separating out the different services that, you know, could provide. I had um, Andy Steves on the show um couple episodes ago and he has weekend student adventures which is sort of like it's an excursion company right Mm -hmm. specializing in that which i feel like is another area where it's sort of siphoning off one of the services and in some ways it doesn't replace it in most cases yet but um, i think that's really interesting because thinking about you know in the last gosh now it's probably been four four or five years um that sort of the study abroad review um, system has become a, a thing. You know, we had abroad, we still have, I guess we have study abroad 101. We had rate my study abroad for a while. Now go abroad has go evaluate or something. Go overseas has their own review system. There's like all the reviews. Right. <laughs> and one of the things I remember I used to talk about with, um, uh, Troy Peden, who's my boss at Go Abroad, when we were sort of talking about do we go to this route of reviews, you know, he and I were kind of study abroad traditionalists where we sort of saw like, uh, like reviewing, reviewing these programs, you know, isn't is not easy because one it's a lot of times comparing apples to oranges two a student's only experienced one program how do they know if it was actually good or not and three this idea that um you know a student could have horrible horrible housing and it completely sort of ruin their whole experience or they let that ruin their entire experience and so their Mm -hmm. review would reflect that or vice versa where they decided i just hate food in italy or something crazy and they decide oh well i hate italy and therefore i hated my study abroad or something really really um outlandish like that and and i've definitely seen those reviews and you know i think i think it'll be interesting to see how this kind of plays out in terms of how students um or how we at least guide students on evaluating their experience, you know, versus like, did was there an administrative issue or something like that versus the overarching quality of the services, you know, that were given to them? I don't know. What are your what are your thoughts on the whole review stuff? It's interesting. Um, so in terms of reviews, um, you know. And that's it's a very big thing to have on our website to have from for, you know former students who have come through our service um, whether or not we want them to have reviews what we want to do with reviews um, you know for for us we I think it's important more so for future students who are coming to live in one of our accommodations mm-hmm. um, so from our perspective we feel it's important that you know, students really, really understand where they're living and how they're going to live. Um, So if there's a student who loves art and they want to be surrounded by tons of art, um, but, you know, they see a review from someone that says, uh, you know, this area isn't really all that cultural. It's more, um, you know, it's more touristy. There's, you know, you're not really... immersed into the culture of the city that much. There's not that much, um, you know, artistic value in terms of, um, you know, the, the people on the ground and, and maybe, you know, graffiti or cool things that they want to see or be a part of. Um, you know, that's something that, you know, if they make that review on our site, then that student can understand that and get that experience and know that, Hey, maybe that's not somewhere that I want to live. When it comes, when it comes to program reviews, um, what's interesting for us is that what we often get, um, are students who come to us and say, you know, Hey, I really want to choose my own apartment. 
I want to go study abroad. I'm not really sure what city I want to go to. I'm kind of between, you know, this, this city or that city, but I want to make sure I use a program where I can use your housing. Um, because you know, we, we get a lot of people who have great experiences and just absolutely love it. And so they say, Hey, I want to make sure I want to get a program that I can use your housing. Which program should I do? Um, and we're kind of, we're that's kind of in the big. Back. Oh, I hope those providers are listening right now. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's like crazy power, but also brings with it, um, uh, lots of responsibility. So do you, do you list those providers on your website? Do you say, Hey, here's who we recommend. Here's here. Who, this is who works with us openly and is all about it. We don't, we don't, not yet. Yeah. Um, you know, for us, it's, you know, we have some programs that we like and, you know, for us to, to try and make that recommendation, it's more about what, what, you know, we ask them first, we want, well, what do you want to experience? What do you right. want to get out of your, your study abroad journey? Um, that's really what our passion is. We want to, we want people to have the best experience possible rather than, you know, telling them to go with a specific program because that program allows them to use our housing. I'd rather have a student have, you know, you know, the journey that they want rather than me, you know, necessarily having to tell them, you know, because it's a gain for us. So um, we have our programs, you know, in the back of our mind that, hey, you know, this one does allow us and we let them know, you know, hey, they do, you know, allow us. And I know you were thinking about that one versus this one. But yes, we, we, uh, we tell them a little bit. We, yeah. we try not to go too far with it, though. No, but I think that's really good, too, because understanding that study abroad is more than just checking off some boxes on a to-do list, you know, or, you know, just mm-hmm. saying, oh, well, I have to go to Rome and no matter what, you know, whereas a student's goals and what they want to achieve from a program, maybe Rome isn't the best fit for them. And so, right. you know, understanding that there is a more nuanced and sophisticated advising process that, you know, most um, administrators have students go through uh, to help them tease out exactly, you know, the type of program they should be pursuing in order to achieve those goals. At least that's the, that's the dream. That's the hope. Um, Totally. So one of the things I want to know is, you know, you recently studied abroad. I mean, (laughs) uh, I mean, uh, you you studied abroad in this decade and I have not. So I want to know, you know, one my last episode on the podcast uh, was all about, sort of the myths of working in study abroad in international education. And so I'm just curious, what what did you find to be some of the biggest differences or things you learned um, that were really different from being a participant versus sort of coming into the space in a professional capacity? Absolutely. That's also a great question. So um, coming in as a participant, um, I think you're just sort of like this innocent little lamb like you don't know what you're getting yourself into you're sort of just you're this doe-eyed like really where am I going what am I doing how do I get here um you know you're not really paying that much attention to the administrative process of everything that goes into your experience and how hard people are working to make sure that first of all you're safe um and second of all that you're having the rewarding experience that you're going to have Um, so, you know, some, so then kind of during my experience, actually, as a student, I was, I was working most of the time, as I mentioned, I, I started an event called a broad fest. Um, and so, you know, I was sort of working a lot and really focused on that and, um, had a little bit of a different experience that I think most students have, because I was doing a lot of, 
um, administrative work. Um, you know, I was I was working a lot, so it was a little bit different. But um, when I switched over into study abroad apartments, and when I got to see that, it's sort of like when I when actually our first two years, we would go to some of our cities and actually mo- help move the students in and sort of just oversee the process. Um, and make sure everything was running smoothly. And, and so when, when you see that from an, you know, someone who's on the other side now, um, you're sort of just a fly on the wall like, oh, you know, this thing, you know, going to this place. Everybody wants to go to this restaurant because that's where everybody wants to go. And you're like, oh, I can't go there. I can't go to that restaurant. I can't go do that thing. I have no interest in going to, you know, this bar, that place or this restaurant where I know there's going to be a million Americans and all my students and and. You know, I think uh, when you make that switch from being a participant to being someone who's actually working for the program, you sort of have this feeling of like, wow, like there is so much work that goes into this and there is and there and you don't even know that it exists. So it's just the notion of being a fly on the wall and kind of saying to yourself, gosh, I was so innocent and I had no idea what I was doing. And now I'm kind of like, well, I think I would have done everything the same, but um, now that I know this, this, and this, I just would have gone to way different places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I think one of the things we talked about too at NAFSA, you, Ryan and I, we talked about how, um, you guys had some fun stories. We won't, <laughs> we won't air those out here. We had some fun stories about sort of some anecdotal stories about some students who needed a little bit more i.e. a lot more hand-holding and things through the process. And even while they were abroad, sort of just like calling the emergency line, for example, for set of our apartments instead of like, you know, 911 or the equivalent of 911. Um, Yeah, or even their provider. Or or their provider. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so um, I think for me, I just thought it was really interesting because hearing you guys say things like, what is up with these kids? And you're I'm like, they're, you're like three years older than them. And, and so I just thought that was really interesting to hear you guys sort of going through that process as sort of new professionals in the space. And, but I also thought it was interesting because I, I feel like a lot of times sort of quote millennials, especially in, in the higher ed in general, but specifically in, in international ed, you know, we just sort of talk about students like, Oh, students, they don't read their emails. They don't do the things we want them to do. They don't pay attention. You know, all, all the, the negative things we might be able to sort of complain about a little bit. And, but sometimes, you know, meeting you guys who are clearly in that generation and you're, you know, but seeing you guys totally make things happen and take initiative and see, you know, see challenges, see problems, you know, take responsibility, uh, you know, all and find innovative ways to communicate to your peers. Basically, I feel like, you know, painting all millennials with this, like they don't read emails brush or that, you know, they're irresponsible <laughs> brush, I think isn't, isn't fair and probably not accurate because I think obviously you guys are in that generation and I, I wouldn't put you and Ryan in, in that bucket by any means. I just think, I just think that's really interesting to hear, you know, you of the generation talking about that generation. <laughs> and it, yeah. And it's funny because, um, you know, when we first started this, we were still students. Um, we were right. doing this. We were doing this during our senior year of college. We pretty much, um, I pretty much, completely, I foregoed my senior year of college. Um, I was taking a lot of credit hours, but I was really doing this, you know, fifty hours a week. 
um, spending, you know, a lot of time doing this. And when I went overseas and I met a lot of our students, they didn't, they didn't realize how old I was <laughs> at first. They were kind of, you know, and when it finally somehow came out, they maybe looked at my LinkedIn or something. They were like, Whoa, Hey, you're only a year older than me, but you're telling me everything I need to do. And you seem so much older and, and so much power. And I'm like, well, um, you know, don't, don't look at my LinkedIn. Just, you know, just, you know, I know, you know, we know what we're doing. It's, it's, it's sort of, um, a natural instinct that, that occurs when, you know, you are an entrepreneur. Um, you have that, that drive and that ambition to go out there and, and make things happen. Um, and you know, if you're organized and polished enough, you know, we are millennials. We do use technology like crazy. Everything I do is a new app, a new way to make things more efficient, make things more easier, more relatable. Um, so, you know, we, we have things like a text messaging service where we know our students aren't opening their emails. So we have a full-blown text messaging service where we have someone on all day on Slack who's, you know, integrated and in texting our students if they need anything at all. And so they're willing to text us and you know, that's something that we can, you know, definitely relate to, but um, sort of being a little bit more polished, um, we're able to go and have the infrastructure that can support that type of innovation. Yeah, I think I, I think that's great. And this is why I love having you, you and Ryan in my in my connection network, because you guys are always telling me, I'm like, what is that thing? And I'm like Googling, uh, you guys keep me keep me young, I feel like, but I feel like there's also probably some um advisors maybe some administrators out there right now whose minds are being blown right now just hearing that there's like a text messaging thing and and probably not even understanding that students might actually want that type of engagement because i know for me i'm like oh my gosh no do not text me that would be the worst but yeah. for, you know for a different generation it might be like well yeah duh you should totally be texting me so here's here's a good question for you as a millennial as somebody who's good in technology you're working really closely with these students um what what do you think is sort of a new and up and coming trend either for student engagement or marketing that you feel like offices or providers really need to be paying attention to if they're not already? Hmm. I would say, um, well, one thing I'm really interested in right now is fintech. Um, so, Oh my God, you just blew my mind. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> so fintech. please explain to everybody what that is. Fintech, uh, finance technology. Oh, um, okay. Okay. So, maybe I didn't know what that was. I thought it was some special app or something. Yeah. Uh, in some cases it is. There's a lot of apps that are fintech related. Okay. So, um, certain apps that you can go out and, you know, suggest to students to start using, um, fintech apps like Vemo, uh, Vemo's, okay. Vemo's fintech, uh, yes. PayPal, um, using those, you know, suggesting students can use those sorts of services to pay for things. Um, you know, also there's, there's ways that students can communicate, um, that they haven't been able to communicate before. So getting something like WhatsApp and telling parents, Hey, download WhatsApp. Because that's really the most universal messaging platform out there. And for anyone who's listening, um, who understands um, what it's like to be in a foreign country, you most likely have WhatsApp because everyone else in the world has WhatsApp. Um, and now that Facebook owns it, having Facebook Messenger um, will one day be integrated probably fairly soon. So um, really my advice for um, advisors, for any sort of administrator is to give students um, the right applications that they can use on their phones. Um, actually, what's so funny about that is that when I went abroad, 
um, the, the thing to do. And for, for whatever reason, everyone, you know, was sort of like, you have to get a Blackberry. You, you, the only way you can do this is you have to get a Blackberry. In 2013? In 2013. That was, and, and you know what? <laughs> Even still, because what's so interesting is that this entire matrix of studying abroad, it's like everyone just goes based on what their older siblings did oh um, or what their older cousins did. So, you know, like I had everyone who was like, oh, my older sister who went six or seven years ago used a BlackBerry. Um, so, you, I have to get a BlackBerry. That's what my parents said. I had, you know, I have to go and, you know, buy a BlackBerry and use that. Um, and so now I'm kind of like every time a student or parent asks me happens, it probably happens once a week, student or parent asks me, what kind of phone should I use? Well, the answer (laughs) is if you can go and buy an old iPhone, uh, or if you have an old iPhone laying around, you can probably get one on Amazon or eBay for a hundred bucks, an iPhone four, go and do that, get an, get an iPhone, um, and then go when you arrive in your location, in your destination, and put a SIM card in from you know whatever country right. you're in. That way you have access to WhatsApp. That way you can make phone calls back to the states. You can even use WhatsApp to make phone calls. Right. Um, so and and you know if your parents need to send you more money, in some cases you know there's all these different fintech apps that I think are really helpful for students and that administrators need to know about because I'm sure they get those questions just as much as I do. Right. Yeah. Definitely. So let's switch gears a little bit. Um, I want to talk more about the business side, you know, as young entrepreneurs, young company, um, you know, and there might be some people out there just curious about oh, what is it like to start a company? Um, <laughs> and so, so can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, at what point, walk us through a little bit about what, at what point did you feel like, wow, we've really hit on something. And, and then you decided, oh, we could make this a viable business that, you know, does need to earn money to pay bills and, you know, <laughs> salaries and benefits and all that great stuff. Um, yeah. You know, what's that journey been like? So that journey for us, um, you know, as I mentioned, after we started it, you know, my senior year, um, we were, re- I mean, we were really focused on it. Um, we bought our domain name study broad apartments for five euros while we were still students. So we had the entire business plan written out and actually it was my business partner, Ryan, it was his entrepreneurship, uh, class that he was in. So coincidentally, he was in this entrepreneurship class. He's an entrepreneurship major. Um, and so we had the business plan that we were writing already and then we kind of formalized it by having this class to guide us along the way, which was really helpful. Um, and so that process for us, once we got back to the States, um, once we started promoting this and actually my background is in digital marketing. Um, so I know a lot about SEO and, and, um, digital ad space. And so when I got back, I actually, um, I had an internship in Chicago working for a digital marketing agency. Um, and so we were able to really get a lot of students on board really quickly with the idea of, hey, if you want to choose your own housing, here's the way to do it. Um, and we've vetted these landlords. We've seen these apartments. You know, this is a great area to live if you're trying to do this or that. And um, the point where it really caught on and, and we realized that we had something was probably when I was on the phone as a 21-year-old in college um, on, a, on my Friday evening explaining to a parent how to make a wire transfer overseas because she had never done it before. Um, and so it, it was sort of at that point that she knew how old, how old we were. And she was kind of like, well, well, you're just a kid. And I was like, well, 
I think I'm the one who's telling you how to make this wire transfer overseas. Um, and it was kind of when I got off the phone and I helped her through the process and she thanked me and she was so happy. And then her son, her, her, I think it was her daughter actually had an unbelievable experience, loved the apartment, actually met all new friends um, who she's still friends with to this day, um, actually became her best friends. Um, and it was sort of at that point that we realized we really had something that we were making people's study abroad experience that much better. Um, so sort of on the business side of things, um, we had a little over 70 students that first year just in Barcelona. Um, and, and once we, I think once we hit to a certain revenue point there and a certain amount of students and went through that experience with that parent, we said to ourselves, all right, I, I think we should uh, continue working on this and rather than going out and getting corporate jobs or something along those lines. I think we should we should really try and go for this. Um, and so, you know, both of our fathers are actually entrepreneurs. So that certainly helped, you know, guide us in how we should set things up. We did a lot of research, um, you know, and Ryan being an entrepreneurship major, he was really able to know exactly kind of the textbook stuff to do. Um, but there's, there's a whole lot that they don't teach you, um, that you just kind of have to figure out for yourself. Um, you have to, you know, be crafty and you have to be willing to work as hard as you possibly can spend hours and hours up sleepless nights. Um, that's all part of it. Um, but you know, on the business side, um, once you have something that's moving forward, um, there's really no greater feeling in the world of just being able to not only do something that's profitable, not only do something that, you know, you can do full time, but, you know, doing something that's helping people. Um, and I think for us that that's probably the most rewarding thing about what we do. Yeah, that's great. I, so I, I, while you were talking, I definitely was listening, but I did a little online creeping and I went to the <laughs> Wayback Machine to find the, the first iterations of the website. So it was first indexed, it looks like in September 2013, at least by <laughs> way back. Um, but it's just the HTML. It doesn't have any of the CSS, so you can't see what it looked like. But yeah. it, fast forward like a year um, almost, uh, and in 2014, I can see it. And it's yep. it's not bad. Obviously, it's still a website built in 2014, so it's better than you know 1997. But um, I love that there you're, one of your taglines at that time was abroad in your horizons which is yeah really cute and cheesy that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so one of the things i i want to hear you know you talked about you had um you know digital marketing experience and obviously ryan was all about the entrepreneurship stuff so he's learning about you know user growth and growth hacking i'm sure and all that kind of fun stuff what you know what do you feel like how do you feel like people were finding you at the time? Was it pure SEO, Google search, or did you get some pretty important mentions on big sites? Or where do you feel like that first big push came from? So actually, um, that first big push really came from my experience creating a broadfest. Oh, okay. Um, I had a lot of, so what I did with a broadfest actually, when I was a student, I think we brought, it was close to 5,000 students to Barcelona for one weekend. Um, and you know, it was great. I was able to actually leverage, um, people who I knew who were in different cities. So from there, um, it kind of spread a lot of, it was a lot of word of mouth, um, that got us going. Um, and so that, that was really what kicked us off of, you know, people knew me from a broad fest. Um, it wasn't really something I wanted to continue doing. I love the event. I think it's, I think it's actually something that's really great. 
Um, I think it's something that should absolutely continue and, and maybe even um, become a little bit more educational. Um, I've actually spoken to the guys over a shout out to Prime Social Group, shout out to uh, uh, those guys. And, you know, that that really it could become something that's really educational. Um, but anyway, they they that platform really was able to promote us um, and help people find us that first year. Right. So did you have like a list where you could sort of shoot out this mass email saying, hey, we've launched this thing Forward this to one of your friends who's getting ready to study abroad or what it, what did that look like? I used a lot of the people who um, who were working for for the event. Okay. Um, so I had brought on students from all different cities. I brought on you know a couple people from Prague, a couple people from um, Florence, Rome, London, Madrid, Seville. People just you know a couple people from all over to promote the event um, to get their friends to go. Um, and then I kind of went back to those people afterwards, and I was like, hey. Uh, wanted to tell you about a project I'm working on. And from there, we are able to grow and get the word out. Awesome. Very cool. Okay. So, all right. Um, this interview is going longer than any other interview, I will say. Oh, yeah. that. So, well, one of the things I wanted to ask you was um, more about your, I know you obviously are spending a lot of time talking to parents and students, which is probably surprising to you. I thought you, you probably thought, Oh, I'm building this tech thing. And now you're spending all this time advising. Um, but you know, based on you being an alum now, now you're a professional and obviously working with a lot of students every year. Actually, how many students are you guys working with every semester at ballpark right now? Do you ballpark. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a couple hundred, a couple <laughs> hundred a semester. Oh, couple wow. A couple hundred a semester. Yeah. That's great. That's more, bigger than a lot of providers. So good for you. Um, <laughs> so, um, what I would ask is, you know, you're working with a lot of students now. If a student happens to be listening to this podcast, what would be your advice to them? You know, they're going, let's say they're getting ready to go abroad this fall. What mm-hmm. would you say to them in order for them to get the biggest ROI out of this experience? Sure. Yeah. Ooh, I give a lot of advice. I'm a, <laughs> I find myself giving tons and tons of advice every day. Um, my biggest advice to a student who's about to go abroad would be to go out there, meet new people. That's the biggest thing. Go out there and don't be afraid to go outside your comfort zone. Um, you know, there's, there's a whole world out there. Um, you don't have to just be stuck in whatever little American program that you're in, go out there and meet new people. Um, that's the biggest thing. That's, that's what this is about. Um, you know, a big thing for me is bringing the world together. Um, when it comes, when it comes to everything that's happening in Europe and, um, you know, the, for example, the attack in, in France, I hate to bring it up, but, you know, for me, that's something that study abroad and the more people who can go out there and, um, and get involved in other cultures and, and the more we go out there and understand other cultures, the more that our world is going to be able to be brought together um, and we're going to be able to understand each other. So for a student, um, think about that. Think about um, the future of not just your experience, but, you know, the future of the world um, and our generation that really comes back to integrating with different cultures and meeting new people. That's great. I love that. So I, can we take it a step further? What's one specific thing you would say? How, how do they meet the people? You know, what, what's, a, <laughs> a, what's an activity you would suggest or, a, you know, a tactic you would suggest on how they actually meet those people? Sure, sure, absolutely. So, um, 
you know, there's we a lot of American students don't know about it, but there's a whole study abroad culture, like the Erasmus student market right. of European students who are probably very similar to the American students. So um, I would say try to find an event that's a, like an Erasmus student focused event um, and go to it by yourself and meet some students from different countries who are pretty much there doing the same thing as you. Um, they're just coming from a different culture and different background. Um, so remember that Erasmus, um, you can probably look on Facebook, you type in Erasmus and then whatever city it is that you're going to, um, and you can go to an event, go by yourself and just check it out. And, um, you'll probably meet some people who are, are similar to you, but they're from another country. That's awesome. I'll try to find one and link it to the show notes if I can. We'll see. If, if this old lady can figure out the technology, we'll see. <laughs> uh, this was yeah. awesome, Brett. Thank you so much for giving us a little insider's view of what's going on at Study Abroad Apartments and your own personal experience with Study Abroad. I think it's really exciting and inspiring to hear how Study Abroad alumni are um, learning a lot from their experience you know what? Actually, remember that question I said I was going to wait until the end? We're just going to make this the mm -hmm. longest podcast ever. Okay. So what I okay. want to know is how do you feel? This is sort of that, a, a good interview question for all these business majors out there or anyone out there really. It's how do you feel like your study abroad experience prepared you for the career you have now? The study abroad experience um, to me was sort of like an accelerator into what I'm, you know, what you're doing next. Um, so a lot of times what people don't understand when they go into the career world, what's called the real world, they don't realize that in some cases your university or your major or even your GPA don't really matter as much. Um, but, you know, the fact that you went and studied abroad and the fact that you know you you went outside of your comfort zone shows a lot much a lot more to an employer because they're able to say wow you know this person went to a different country and figured things out and you know what they're going to be able to figure things out when they get to the real world and when they take this corporate job um, and that's something that, you know, what I think is, is a big, it was sort of like an accelerator program. So we're in a, we're in an accelerator program right now called dream it ventures. It's an educational technology program. Um, and that same accelerator program is the same way that I view my study abroad experience and that, um, it just pushes you forward into expediting, um, the process of becoming, um, or being part of the real world. Interesting. Very cool. Good answer. I like that. And I think, you know, a lot of it, you know, what you're saying, if, you know, you're going to put some labels on it, you know, demonstrating initiative, problem solving skills, um, and we could go on about the different sort of more tangible skills that, um, you know, you can demonstrate with your study abroad experience. I think that that's a really, it's a really good answer. Not that you're being judged. Only a little. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. For, for real this time, we're going to wrap it up. Brett, thank you so much for being on the show. You know, I'm a big fan of you and Ryan, and I wish you all the best. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Brooke. It was awesome being on here. There you have it, everyone. If you'd like to connect with Brett and Study Abroad Apartments, you can find them on Twitter as Study Abroad APTS and Instagram as Study Abroad Apartments. And of course, you can connect with Inside Study Abroad as In Study Abroad on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to hang out with me online personally, you can find me uh, on Instagram and Snapchat as The New Dorothy. Thanks again, Brett, for coming on the show. And of course, if you are interested in the Global Pro Institute and want to become a VIP member of our interest list, go on over to InsideStudyAbroad.com slash GPI VIP. 
The VIP doors open tomorrow, Thursday, September 22nd, and I hope to see you there. Until then, get out there and make some magic happen. Bye for now.